You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. Man, that was good. title of the message this morning is No Reason to Weep. And the reason why is because we got resurrection power living inside of us. And uh, awesome, awesome. I'm so thankful for our worship team. They've put a lot of hours in. They do it all for the honor and glory of God. Uh, but I want to acknowledge them. I want to acknowledge Pastor Mike. He oversees them. And uh, they've put many hours in, special practices, several hours yesterday. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, making our uh, service special uh, with, that, uh, with that worship. You and I, we do not have to read the papers, we do not have to watch the news, or scroll through social media to know this pervasive truth, and that is that the world is not as it should be. Society, it's not right. Culture seems to be becoming more and more corrupt every day. Institutions all around us are failing. The market seems to be immoral. Humans and our sins are destroying the earth at a faster rate than we can even imagine, only to be outdone by destroying ourselves and one another. We abuse, we steal, we kill, and we neglect. And we think of the phrase of heaven on what? Earth. You and I, we, we seek for that, for, for heaven down here on earth. We, we hear Jesus' prayer in his ministry of the Father's will being done as in heaven as it is in earth. And we begin to point to the disparity between earth and heaven. And if we're not careful, you and I begin to come to the point where we begin to doubt the very existence of God. We often, if we are honest, will wonder if there's a God How come he's not doing anything? Don't act like I'm the only one that's ever thought that. Right? Like, you know, God, if if you're really here, when when are you gonna when are you gonna show up? And that doubt and that questioning transforms into one of the most beautiful and honest of prayers. God make our world whole again. And the answer to that prayer, the answer to that. God, would you, would, you, would you make our world whole again? That answer came in Jesus. Jesus, hear me, Jesus is God's will on earth from heaven. Jesus is God's will on earth from heaven. The Gospel message of Jesus Christ's death, and we looked at that on Friday, and we dissected that, but is the message of Christ's death and resurrection is what unifies heaven and earth. God begins to create a new reality of heaven and earth in Jesus Christ's resurrection. That, 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 that power, that, that newness of, of heaven coming down in Jesus now resides in the heart of the believer. N.T. Wright in his book, Simple Christianity, or Simple Christian, says this When Jesus rose from the dead on Easter morning, he rose as the beginning of the new world that God, that God, Israel's God had always intended to make. That is the first and perhaps the most important thing to know about the meaning 
of Easter. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. I couldn't be more delighted. You think of, you think of the resurrection. You think of, you think of Easter. The resurrection is God's amen to Jesus's it is finished. And God brings Jesus out of the grave. And you and I, we've celebrated that this morning by way of song. But the story of in our text of Mary Magdalene uh, meeting Jesus at the empty tomb is found in great detail really only in the Gospel of John. I think Mary, she must have told John about it personally. Everything about this little glimpse of, uh, of life is true to human nature. I think you will be able to empathize heavily with this text and uh, what Mary was going through. We have a weeping woman lingering at an empty tomb, wondering what has happened to the body of the individual that she followed and loved so much. And when Jesus suddenly appears, she, she can't quite recognize Him. And then she, once she does, she, she literally grips Him. Other, other texts will tell you that they literally gripped Him, clinging to Him so tightly that He had to tell her to let go. The encounter, of course, ends with this mourner who was weeping at the tomb, running back to the disciples and almost becoming like a missionary. Although Mary Magdalene plays an important role in the life of Christ, we know surprisingly little about her in her life. She's one of at least five Marys that you might read about in the four, the four Gospels. And so you and I, we've got, to be very, we've got to be very cautious when we're reading the text because we've got to make sure that we don't get these uh, women confused. Mary Magdalene, she, she came from the village of Magdalia on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. She was one of the group of women that, that, that followed uh, Jesus Christ in His earthly ministry. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus cast seven demons or devils out of her, Luke 8 says, and certain woman which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And so before Jesus, uh, before she met Jesus, she was totally enslaved to demonic possession and powers. Now how she got that sad condition, the Bible does not indicate and it's not, it's not useful or helpful for us to really even speculate because the Bible doesn't indicate where that came from. And so uh, Jesus in His love and in His care of people sets her free from her past. Kind of that song that uh, that Mike and, and the group just sang. So having been, been liberated from this bondage, been liberated from this demonic oppression, she says to herself, and perhaps even out loud, I, I'm going to follow this Jesus wherever He goes. I'm going I'm to serve Him. I'm going uh, to serve His disciples out of just love and adoration from this amazing rescue that Jesus brought into her life. And so when Jesus hung on the cross, she stood there by Mary, Jesus' mother's side. When they took His body down from that brutal beating and cross, she was there to see the awful and gory sight. And when they placed Him in the tomb, she was sitting on the rock ledge watching from the side. Matthew 27 tells us that. And laid it in His own tomb, which He had hewn out of the rock and rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene 
and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. And so on Saturday evening, uh, that after the Sabbath had concluded, uh, she purchased some spices because she hoped to anoint uh, the body uh, of Jesus. And they had, to, they had to rush to bring Jesus down off the cross prior to uh, the, the high Sabbath beginning. And so all they did was they just put some spices on his body. They wrapped him up and they got him in the grave. They had to get him down before the Sabbath began. And so sometime after the Sabbath, sometime Saturday evening when they could begin to shop again in the Jewish culture, they really they didn't do anything on the Sabbath day. And so she would go and she was preparing uh, the oil and so that she could finish the job of preparing Jesus' body. And then early on Sunday morning before the sun came up, she and another woman ventured through the darkness to the garden tomb expecting to finish the job and anoint Jesus' body with this oil. And so if you, take, if you take Matthew and you take Mark and Luke and John, you take those, those four Gospels, those four disciples that, that walked with Jesus those last three and a half years of his life, if you take all of those accounts of the Easter Sunday, it seems that Jesus rose from the dead sometime in the pre-dawn hours of Sunday. There was an earthquake, the seal was broken, the, 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 the stone was rolled away, Jesus came forward, and of course you've got uh, the guards, they totally you know, just passed out, so to speak, and they fled in fear. And so when the woman found the tomb empty, there was confusion. She would have been, she would have been terrified. The angels had told that, that Christ had risen from the dead, and so she goes back and she tells the disciples, and some believe and, and some don't. And so some of the disciples, they run to the tomb, and they see that, that Jesus is not there. They get excited, and they go back to their homes, the Bible says. But at that point, Mary Magdalene returns to the tomb. She's confused. She's in shock. And no doubt, she is heartbroken. It has not yet occurred to her that the empty tomb meant that Jesus was risen from the grave. See, you and I, we're, we're some a, a, a little under 2,000 years later. And so you and I, we've got the whole story. We come here and we're, we're celebrating. But try, to, but try to put yourself in the shoes of of Mary. And so she's not, risen, she's not understood everything yet. Easter is both good news, hear me, good news, and it's terrifying news. The good news is that, is that Jesus, He came back from the dead. Hallelujah! We just sang about that. I couldn't wait to say on Friday, hey, you know what, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I couldn't wait to say that. Some of you were almost anticipating me saying it on Friday night at our service. That's the good news. But the terrifying news of Easter confronts us with the awful reality of death. See, the biblical account of the crucifixion stresses that many people watched the death of Christ from a distance. They wanted to see what, what was going to happen, but, but they didn't want to get too close. Now, this is how you and I, right? We, we, we handle death this way. We, like, we want to keep death at, at, at arm's length. We avoid going to funerals if we can. We work out. We lose weight. We try to get the blood pressure down and the cholesterol down. Why? Because we're trying to extend our life. We're trying to be healthy. We do not want to let death get too close to us. But sometimes death 
comes. And it knocks on your door, doesn't it? Sometimes death comes and literally barges into your living room like it did on September 11th. When every American had death placed right before them in their home, whether or not it was a family member or a friend or just our country. No one could escape the anger, the horror, and the shock. Do you remember where you were that day? Some of you might even remember what you were wearing. Sarah and I often talk about what we were wearing the day that death came right into our living room. Death is never easy to deal with. Most of the time we can avoid it or we can postpone it or we can keep it far away from us, but sometimes death stares us in the face. And sometimes we don't know exactly how to respond to it. And that is why Mary is standing alone at a garden tomb at around 6.30 a.m. on the first Easter morning. And so let's see from our text here, Mary's sorrow. Mary's sorrow. We see in verse number 11, it says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and saw and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Verse 13, And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Why are you crying? Why are you, why are you weeping? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. See, if the tomb is empty, why is she still lingering there weeping? Now, either you know the answer to that, and I don't need to say, or there are not really words that can explain why she is there. If you've ever lost a loved one who meant everything to you, if there was, it meant more than, than life itself, you know why she's there. You know. She has loved Jesus in life. And now she is loving Him in death. She has served Jesus for the last three and a half years, or, or, or at least a portion of that, served Him with her life. And now she's going to serve Him in death. She's going to complete the preparation of Jesus' body. She was there at the tomb alone because death could not destroy her love. Some of you, I've, I prayed for you this morning, but you got up this morning and you remembered friends. And you remembered loved ones who are not with you this year. Maybe they were with you just last year in a seat with you. And in the last year, the last two years, they've, they've gone home to glory. Perhaps later today you will visit a quiet cemetery and you will stand at a graveside alone. In your heart or maybe even vocal, you will share your love and your adoration for that individual and you will tell them how much you dearly miss them. If you've ever done that, you know why Mary is there. She's weeping over an empty tomb. What should have been great news, see, was, was breaking her heart. We would say this morning today that the empty tomb was one of the greatest proofs of the resurrection. If you were to go there, I should have put a picture up there. I've been there. It's just it's life-changing for me. But for, but for the Christian, for the believer, it's like, yes, proof, an empty tomb. Yet Mary weeps. This shows us, here I'm about to say, this shows us that, that evidence alone will never persuade anyone. 
unless the evidence is accompanied by a proper understanding and an open heart, nothing will change. Mary had all the right facts, but she still jumped to the wrong conclusions. But before we're too hard on Mary, we often do the same thing, don't we? We're faced with trials. We're faced with unexplainable tragedy and we often weep over our circumstances where if we could take a step back and we could see it through the eyes of God, we could see it through, through the lens of, uh, of the Gospel and Jesus, we would not necessarily weep and mourn in the sense like we always do. I want you to consider this for a moment. You're listening well. Stick with me, please. I want you to consider this. If Mary had gotten her wish, we'd be the ones weeping today. If Mary had gotten her wish, she, she wanted to go and she wanted to finish the job. She wanted to, to, to anoint Jesus with the oil, to finish the, you know, the, the, the burial process. If she had gotten what she wanted, you and I would be the ones weeping. If she had found Jesus' body still in that tomb, we would have nothing to celebrate because Easter would not exist. Paul tells us that everything would be vanity if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. And so... I'm thankful that he wasn't there. I'm thankful that, 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 that she went to go find Jesus and he wasn't there. And so we see her sorrow. But I want you to notice also in this passage her love. Her love. Mary had, she had, she had great love for Jesus. And we see that in verse number 14 of our text. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and, Jesus, and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, or if you've taken his body away, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Now, why didn't she, why didn't she recognize the Lord? Well, the text doesn't tell us. But there's maybe some ideas of why she didn't recognize the Lord. Certainly, uh, she was not expecting to see Him. I mean, she was coming with the oil. She was coming to, to, to finish the job. All of us, hear me, all of us have contexts in which we know people. You know, there might be uh, some friends in your neighborhood. There might be a coworker. There might be a family member that you see kind of only every once in a while at a, at a big family reunion, and they're, and they're within their contexts. You know, I um, often will place the people that come to our worship services in a context. And you know what that context is? The place they sit every week. Now some of you, 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 you made switches, so good job. Hopefully you got a Starbucks card there. But if I see you maybe on a Thursday at a grocery store, I mean, I'm going to know who you are and I'm going to remember your name, but there might be a, uh, why? Because you're out of the context of the norm in which I would see you. And so certainly Jesus was out of context for, for Mary. She had been weeping and overcome with uh, emotion. But the main reason I believe that Jesus, that seems to be that Jesus deliberately veiled himself. He's done that before. He did it to the two disciples on the, uh, on the, uh, the road to Emmaus. And so I believe Jesus did not want Mary to recognize him at first so that he could teach her an important lesson. And we'll get to some of those in a moment. But the first one is to think about this. She had to learn that he is always present even when he is invisible to the naked eye. She had to learn that. That, that. that Jesus is always present when even He is invisible to the naked eye. From this we learn that the Lord, our, our Savior, He's often closest to us when we feel the most alone. 
Many times uh, uh, while going through a dark valley, we think God has abandoned us. We often will say, God, where are you? Back to my introduction. God, we, you talk about you know, heaven here on earth, the, the will of the Father here on earth. And God, well, where are you? Why, why won't you step in? Why is there so much heartache? Why is there so much uh, uh, you know, trial in our world? But if our eyes could be open, we would see the Lord walking with us every step of the way. Just because we do not see Him does not mean that He is not there. Do you recall the question? that Jesus asked Mary, He asked her, who are you looking for? Jesus did not ask her, what are you looking for? That's an entirely different question. Because Mary was looking for a what? Mary was looking for a dead body. She was looking for a something that that, that she could then anoint with oil. But Jesus, hear me, Jesus was pointing her to someone. And the answer to our deepest needs is not something, all right, but someone. And that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ. Until you and I can grasp what Easter is all about, our greatest thing is not money. Our greatest thing is not, is not stuff. Our greatest need is not a relationship with maybe, uh, you know, with a spouse or something. I've got to get married. No, no, no. Our greatest need is Jesus. And, and, and he was trying to teach her this. Who are you seeking? Not what are you seeking? And then I want that leads us finally to our final point here. Mary's faith. Her faith. We've seen her sorrow. We've seen her, her, her great love. And now her faith. Look at verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. And go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things unto her. She thought He was a gardener. He was asking her, Why are you here? Who are you seeking? And then He uses her name, Mary. Mary. Jesus knows her name. He knows her name. You know what I'm thankful for? This is after death. Listen, He lives on. Our soul lives on. There's knowledge even after the grave. Mary. And she comes back, Rabboni. She calls Him my Master. Think of what emotion there is with certain, certain words. Father. Mother. Dad, mom, son, child, daughter, sweetheart, babe, babes, whatever it is. Think of, think of, think of what it means to you. Some of you in here, you've, you, you've had uh, children recently and you are now, maybe for the first child, you're now a father or you're now a mother. And so when Jesus calls her name, He's, he's conveying something to her. I'm here. Mary, I'm back from the dead. I still know you. I still, I still deeply care for you. She knew his voice and he knew her name. And then he does something, and this is kind of, kind of the crux. I, that, that was a long introduction, really, for this. And he says, Don't touch me. But you better understand by the other gospels that, that Jesus come and say, Hey, don't, don't cling to me. 
Perhaps she fell down and knelt and she wrapped her arms around his feet so that he would never leave again. I've lost you once, but I have to, and I've got you back again, and I'm never going to lose you again. In Jesus, what Mary was doing is she had found a friend and she had found a Savior that she could cling to, that she could trust, and that she could love. But she was clinging to something that she must give up. For you see, Jesus taught in the upper room just literally days before this. He was teaching as they were partaking of the Last Supper, breaking bread and with, 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 the, uh, with the disciples there. And, and Mary would have also been there. They would have been doing some of the serving. And Jesus was teaching something new, teaching something radical. And He was saying, hey, listen, I've got to go away. And when I go away... I'm going to send, the Father's going to send another comforter down to me. It's important that I go away. It's important that, that, that I die on the cross. And it's important that I leave you because if I don't leave you, then the Holy Spirit of God will not come and He will not reside with you. And He was trying to tell, he was trying to tell Mary something. He was saying, listen, you, you've, got to, you've got to be willing to give me up now so then you can have my spirit that resides in her. He was trying to get her to see future things. He was soon going to send to the Father, and he was going to, uh, he's going to take his place at the right hand of the Father. He was going to commune on our behalf. He was going to intercede for us. And he's saying, I've got to go so you can have resurrection power living in you. Listen to me. Easter doesn't Stop when we say the final amen. It goes on and on and on in you in the Spirit of Christ. On that day, Mary could touch Him. Once ascended, we all could touch Him through faith. Through that faith relationship that I preached on a few weeks ago. We all can touch Him. So Mary, and she told his disciples, and she went out and said what she had heard. It's amazing. The Greek is so vivid. It's like she was going and telling. As she's going back from meeting with Jesus, she's just telling. She's just telling. People aren't even there, but she's just talking from what she had seen. She could not stop talking about the encounter that she had with the risen Lord. The mourner had become a missionary. That's how it ought to be for all of us. We're all called to do as Mary did, to run and tell all who will listen that we have experienced Jesus. Mary is firsthand knowledge. And so do we. This is the great power that we have sung all morning about. There is great power in words of someone that can say, I've been there. I've seen it. I've heard it. I'm given an eyewitness account. And there's also great power in someone who can say, I've experienced the risen Savior. There's nobody on earth like Him. God has given us the answer. We can say to those who feel bewildered and heartbroken, fear not. We can say to those that are scared, Jesus has come back from the dead. We've seen and we've experienced the Lord. Can you say that? Can you say, I've seen the Lord? This morning, can you, can you truly say, 
as Thomas said, my Lord and my God. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you're not sure, there is no better time than Easter Sunday for you to put your trust in Christ. See, prior to the resurrection, Jesus Christ walked on this earth for 33 and a half years, and He was tempted just like you, just like me. And yet the Bible says He lived without sin. He was our perfect sacrifice. He was our Lamb of God, the way John put it in chapter 1, that was going to take away the sin of the world. And He walked every single step that last week of His life that we call the Passion Week or the Holy Week of God on His way to the cross where the Word of God says your sin and my sin was placed on His body on that cross. And it's at that time where He was dying for all of humanity. And then He was buried in that grave. Three days later, He ascended. Or He he came out of that grave. And that's what we've worshipped this morning. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you experienced that, that hope that we sang about? Listen, we didn't just gather here this morning because we just wanted to. Man, this is what just comes from a heart of a believer. To sing unto the Lord. I want us to do something right now. Would you... Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes?